Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. One topic that you may have put behind you was the 2020 general election here in Singapore. It was a big one. As we all know, uh, the opposition made some solid strides in, uh, in, in winning races around the island. There were some backstories and uh, things that, you know, of course, it, the election was well discussed uh, through the course of it and beyond. But a new book has just come out that is detailing many of the specifics of that election and maybe some things that you didn't know about. The book is called Unmasking Singapore's General Election 2020. Just came out this week. Uh, I'm happy to be joined by the three authors of the book, Dr. Felix Tan, Associate Lecturer at Singapore Institute of Management, Professor Bilvir Singh, Associate Professor and Deputy Head of Political Science at NUS, and Walid Jumblat bin Abdullah, the Assistant Professor in the School of Social Sciences at NTU. Gentlemen, good morning. Welcome to Weekend Mornings. Great to have you all with us. Good morning, Grant. Good morning. Yeah, and you know, we have a lot of you on today. So why don't I start out by um, directing uh, some of the questions to you so that we we don't uh, talk over each other. And if you don't mind, Felix, I'll start with you. Uh, Unmasking the general election. What does that mean? What are we finding behind the mask that happened last year in GE 2020? I think when I came up with the title, it was all, you know, in the midst of the COVID-19 uh, <laughs> environment and we'll all mask up. And I think I, I was thinking of like, what's the best title for the book? And I felt that, hey, I'm masking, you know, uh, given context that we're in and uh, we want to find out more about the elections as well. So I think I just came up with the title, Unmasking Singapore's 2020 General Elections. And I think that fit in nicely with the entire environment that we were in, uh, you know, given that it was COVID-19 and and also the elections. Very clever of you. Very timely. Very thematic. So uh, I think we all appreciate uh, appreciate that. Uh, when we look more closely at the content, um, uh, Walid uh, from NTU, what, what, how did you structure the book? What, we, what did you think were the key themes that people needed to know? So much has been said about the election, of course, and so, many, so much of it has been analyzed already. Right. So, so much has been said about the election, but here and there, none in a single monograph. Uh, so, what we did and maybe what is slightly different because we start with, the, with Singapore's electoral history. So, we go back many years, even pre-independence. And then we talk about the specific electoral developments leading up to 2020. So, the hot button issues that perhaps could have affected votes uh, before the election. Uh, so, for instance, POFMA. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. For instance, uh, the high flux issue and all these issues or the Malaysian general election in 2018. So we look at how all of this affected our election and our electoral results even prior to our own elections. And then, of course, we discuss the specifics of the campaign. And there is a, uh, there is a chapter devoted to just analyzing how Gang Sengkang and Aljunit. And then mm. there's another one about looking ahead. What does this mean? What uh, what does this imply for the future of Singapore politics? So mm. we go back to the past, discuss the present, then we look ahead to the future as well. Very interesting. And Bilvir Singh uh, from NUS, there, I think there is perhaps a, a feeling that the pandemic was really the big driver behind the election. But uh, I think as Waleed just mentioned, there was a lot of other, uh, there were a lot of other topics in, in the mix here, were there not? Oh, absolutely. You are right there. I think by being totally transfixed into COVID, I think we lost sight of all the other issues, which actually played a 
critical role in the way the political voters behave. And I think that's one of those unexpected uh, developments as far as this GE is concerned. By merely making this a COVID-19 GE, I think the powers of we, they lost sight of many, many things. And yet the people did not because they were already suffering from other elements. I mean, POFMA is just one, but I mean, the PMD issue was a big one. Mm-hmm. And yet uh, it was just glossed over and there were many other things well, over and above COVID-19 I think the US-China uh, economic trade war played a critical role as far as the background was concerned and this had actually a tremendous impact as far as the economy of the nation was worsened by COVID-19 so I think the whole thing came together and it came to pass because everybody assumed hey we are in a crisis mode and we know we're going to run to Papa flight to safety it did not happen. And this is what makes this particular election wonderful to study in terms of what just Walid said, past, but more important, what to expect in the near future. We are talking about the new book, Unmasking Singapore's General Election 2020, uh, with the three uh, tri-authors, not just co-authors, but tri-authors, uh, <laughs> Dr. Felix Tan, Associate Lecturer at, at Singapore Institute of Management, Professor Bilvir Singh, Associate Professor and Deputy Head of Political Science at NUS, and Walid Jumlat bin Abdullah, the assistant professor in the School of Social Sciences at NTU. That's a mouthful right there. That takes up a fair amount of our interview time just to introduce you. I, I won't do it every time, but I do want to make sure that folks listening, especially on the radio, uh, know who we're talking to here because it is important that all three of you have studied your political science uh, experts in Singapore and also regionally and internationally. But uh, when we look at, at the specific content of, of what the opposition candidates were going for and, and Felix Tan, I'll, I'll send this out to yeah. you. Um, do you feel like they uh, did they get on to these the PMD and the POFMA issues as strongly as as some others did with with the COVID issues? It, or again, my my recollection seems to be that many of those other issues are quite dim in my mind as compared to COVID. I, I think we have to measure and look at the different opposition because different opposition groups and different opposition parties were targeting uh, various issues. You mentioned the PMD; it didn't really come out on to the four, I think mm. there were much bigger issue. But I think that the, the biggest uh, 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 thing that we can learn from this particular election was uh, the faux pas made by the PAP instead. Mm. And uh, it gave the opposition, in fact, a lot of the opposition parties, the opportunity for them to target uh, the, the PAP. And some of the faux pas, for example, was, you know, there was too much uh, 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 dwelling on, 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 on certain issues, the bullying tactics of the PAP, you know, on Raisa Khan factor. And I think also they did not prepare themselves uh, in terms of the communication style that, you know, that, that they were used to be quite good at. And I think that opened up a lot of doors for the op- opposition to, you know, to, to, to attack them on, on those issues. But by and large, I think Singaporeans themselves were very, very in tune with what's happening, uh, not least because we are all locked, you know, within Singapore. And so, well, there's nothing else that we can turn to except for what's happening in the election. So a lot of Singaporeans were, were very, you know, uh, uh, aware of what's happening. So I think uh, that gave opportunity for the opposition to target, you know, and to to raise a lot more issues. Wally Jumblat, did you uh, did the idea of the actual voting during the pandemic uh, come up as any as as any of the themes in your book? Uh, there was a great deal of of talk about that. Why was it necessary to put th- people, you know, potentially at risk, having to go stand in queues and vote during the pandemic? Was th- did that have any role in in what you found were were impact? moments in GE 2020? 
Right, so we actually dealt with that as well. Uh, we dealt with the idea of the, the pros and cons of holding the GE during uh, during the pandemic. And it was clear from the from the perspective of the government, at least there was a benefit to be held during, electorally, I mean, apart from other benefits as well. But clearly it didn't materialize. Mm. However, I do not think uh, the timing had an effect on the voting patterns per se, mm. because it was other issues. And, Initially, it did look as if the PAP was going to do well. Now, uh, then how, how did that turn, right? Uh, just building on what Felix said. If it, was, if it were issues such as the Raisa Khan issue, which, which cropped up during the election, uh, that means the general support for the PAP amongst the middle ground supporters, at least, it was quite soft for it to be turned by a particular incident. And what's the reason for the softness, right? It could be the building up of a few issues, right? The PMD and even POFMA, it wouldn't have been an issue, actually. I think a lot of Singaporeans were quite comfortable mm-hmm. with POFMA until it was invoked during the election for an issue which seemingly didn't warrant uh, such an invocation. So all these things, even if they may not be brought up during hustings, they may play a part because very rarely does one issue turn an election? Yes, there are some major issues like that, but usually it builds up through uh, towards a general sentiment. Yeah, and and let's talk, uh, Bilver Singh. Uh, you know, Mike Ang, one of our our listeners and watchers on Facebook Live, has just commented about the PAP having to listen to some hard truths from the grassroots, and sure. and some of those comments or some of those uh, you know hard truths that came out. Did you find in your book that that they had really been listened to and that they had been an a part of the impact of this election? Thank you, Glenn. I think. There is a mismatch in the PAP. I think the feedback mechanism of the PAP are on the ground. They hear, but I think they do not listen to. And this this was one of the big things which came out after the GE. Many party leaders were telling their leaders, hey, we told you this, you know. And I, but there was no resonance as far as the political leaders were concerned. And I think the other thing, I think which already came out, party leaders were focusing on the ground on many issues, but to get distracted at, in the campaigning about 10 million, about the importance of NCMP, about the uh, usefulness of WP as a friend. I think all this uh, went against and backfired eventually. So I agree with you that the fundamental issue is this is not... A mass party, this is a cadre party. And the cadre party operates very differently from the mass party. So if you have got grassroots leaders who are telling you ABC and you are not actually buying in into the whole thing, I think you're going to get this kind of results. And hence the importance, what does this mean for the future? I think the PAP need to fundamentally change on certain areas in the way they get feedback from the crowd. And, and Bilvir, we just to follow on that point, uh, we have seen uh, Prime Minister Lee acknowledge uh, in, in some at some level uh, exactly what you're talking about since the GE, you know, in the fall last year. Do, have you heard those comments and do you sense that that has now resonated with the top leadership? You know, Glenn, I've been watching elections since 91. After every election, when something goes wrong, that's the normal reaction. Okay, I hear you. And then I hear you and you see what happened. There was this whole idea of free rider, the whole idea of going after people by suing them left, right, center. So I think there is a mismatch still. A lot of this appear more PR than real. I think we need to see something very substantive and this requires a fundamental change in the culture of those who are ruling the country. Felix Tan, one of the 
uh, I think the the new focuses in this GE20 was looking at younger voters, right? Looking at some of the millennials and and trying to approach them. Of course, social media uh, was used in a way uh, and to a depth and extent that it has not been used before here in Singapore. What did you find in your research for your book about that uh, and, uh-huh. and the possible impact? Generally speaking, the younger voters don't have much of an impact in elections uh, that we see. Did you find anything different? I think uh, we have to understand that the younger voters are more tapped into the social media outlets these days, uh, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, uh, you name it, Twitter and everything. Uh, One of the problems with the PAP was that there was too much focus on just one source, uh, which is Facebook. And that was a huge drawback because everyone else went into Instagram, went into Twitter, went, went to you know, a lot of other you know, online mediums. And that, uh, uh, that lack of understanding of how social media works you know, uh, was a drawback for the PAP. And in fact, you know, the, the, the tactics that they, they are so used to, for example, you know, the, 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 the bullying tactics that they use, is not something that is appreciated in this new medium, you know, uh, people do have this sort of cancer culture, this sort of woke culture where, you know, enough is enough. You, you, you had it at, you know, this issue, but stop there for a moment and think about what you are saying and what you are doing because it is not good. And it goes through all the social media and you know how things can go viral on social media. Just one outlet and it spreads like wildfire. And I think that was something that the PAP world was not prepared to take on. Yeah, go ahead, please. Yeah, so just to build on what Felix said. So why the Raisa Han incident, I guess, resonated with a lot of young people is because she is seemingly being punished for what she wrote a couple of years ago. And if you grew up in a social media environment, you must have written something silly before. Uh, and and they were they were seeing themselves there. And oh my God, how far back should should we be punished for ten years ago, fifteen years ago, right? So I guess amongst other reasons, that was another main reason why that incident really resonated with young people. Yeah. I think one more small point. One more, sure. uh, Glenn, one small sure. point. As far as Sengkang, majority of the voters were young voters. This is a different from the other constituencies. And I think hence the resonation between the voters and the opposition as far as the issue was concerned. Yeah, very interesting uh, points, gentlemen. And LL Tan, one of our regular viewers, uh, has just commented on Facebook Live that the new Singapore generation in particular wants an alternative governing style, not any more top-down, but more bottom-up. Uh, and I think you, you touched on this a moment ago, Bill Vinder. But having said that, you know, we, we can't ignore the fact that the PAP still captured 83 out of 93 seats, right? So we are still talking about a supermajority that uh, cannot be denied despite, you know, what your research may have shown. Going forward, though, uh, you know, the gen, the, the 4G generation and however this all shakes out and when they come into power, what will their mandate look like? Felix, what do you think about that? I think first and foremost, they need to understand the people a little bit more, you know, and they must come off a little bit, you know, uh, more dignified as well as a little bit of humility in them. And I think that is what what, what they really need to take on a little bit more of like an understanding of how the younger voters are thinking, you know, and how they approach certain issues. It's through reason, not through bullying. And they need to, you know, understand that. 
What What does that actually look like, though? Uh, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, and, and, I, and I've heard similar comments just after the election. Uh, what does it actually mean for a, a PAP official or a minister to to express that humility? What would that sound like, in your opinion? I, I don't suppose that they need to apologize all the time, but just coming out <laughs> right and just being, you know, honest about, you know, let's say a mistake that they have made, you know, uh, and just being honest about about that. And I'll come up front. Uh, don't find lots of reasons and excuses to, to, to push it aside, but just tell up and just, you know, just say that I made a mistake. Let's move on. Let's move forward with this. And what can we do with this? And I think that is something that they need to understand. A lot of times it's about communication. And I think that is what is sorely lacking in them, communication. Mm-hmm. Uh, the book uh, is... Glenn, on, Glenn, can, yeah, sure, go ahead. Glenn, can I say something? One small thing. Sure. I think when people judge the PAP and when they judge the opposition, I think the standards are different. I think that's one thing uh, must be appreciated and understood. But number two, when the PAP makes a mistake, like say Elvin Lim, uh, I would have expected, I, in fact, I, much more, much more coming up and say, okay, we made a mistake because this is what the public thought. And yet, instead of saying, I'm sorry, you go after Raiza Khan. So I think that people say, hey, what's going on? So this is what, it's not just humility uh, in terms of more accepting of, hey, I've done something wrong. And I think the public is right for once. And therefore, we are with you and therefore we'll reconnect with you in terms of this new social compact. This is not being seen, whether in terms of the 3G or 4G. I think this is one area where there's much of work to be done. Uh, Bill Veer, do you sense that, that, that the 4G uh, generation of leadership is more in tune with that, with that style, with that mindset? I very much think that the 4G is very much grounded compared to the 3G. The 3G is very much more knuckle duster. I think the 4G, given the opportunity to run the place, I think the nature of the politics will very much be different. I mean, that's my confidence because I know many of them and I think they're very, very different people. They're not afraid to be criticized and they will say, okay, I think we have made a mistake. Let's solve the problem instead of defending and saying, hey, we were right and then so on and so forth. So I think there's a fundamental difference. And this GE was basically run by the 3G rather than the 4G. Yeah, Wally Jumblat, your thoughts on that that point about the 4G? Yeah, I think the 4G has no choice. That's the approach that they have to to undertake. So, uh, regardless of their personal dispositions, which I do expect them to be more amenable to such approaches, such an approach anyway. But regardless, I think they have no choice. Uh, so that is what we will see more. I would be very surprised if we see the sort of tactics that happen against the opposition in this election. In the next election, I would be very surprised because the PAP has already said, I mean, the and you you mentioned it, Glenn, I think they have sort of said the right thing in terms of doing soul searching and younger people think about race differently. Those are tacit admissions that they've made a mistake in these elections. So I think the PAP, one thing we must never... We must never write them off. They have shown uh, an ability to bounce back from electoral setbacks. So we should not write them off uh, for the next and subsequent elections. Well, and at 89.2% of the uh, parliament, you certainly cannot write anybody off with those kind of numbers. (laughs) Uh, It's not a linear trajectory. (laughs) (laughs) That certainly is the case. Uh, The last topic I want to approach, and and we could spend a lot of time talking about it, but I'd like just uh, some brief comments from each of you on it. And that is the income inequality 
challenge that was brought up. And this is was shown to be one of the issues uh, that is on the minds of voters in Singapore, that increasing uh, gap, if you will, between rich and poor or, or rich and middle class or whichever segment of society you want to look at. Uh, Felix, to you first, how do you address that in the book? I think uh, we, we did look at uh, some of the issues about the social divide that is happening, you know, in some sector of, of, of uh, Singapore society. And I think uh, uh, what, what needs to be done is really what are the other, other alternatives that we have to bridge that income inequality? And I think we're looking at whether, there's, you know, whether the opposition actually have that sort of solutions in the short term and the long term. And I think that is something that we are questioning and wondering uh, as well. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Bill Veer? I, I think social certification has become a mainstream issue. It's no longer uh, an issue on the sideline. Uh, I think two things need to be done. One, admit that there is an issue of income inequality. But I think more significant and more fundamental is what Felix just highlighted. What do we do about it? And I think, look, 20 to 30% of the population is down there. If you do not do anything, it's going to become a political time bomb. And I think more and more of this will probably be addressed by the 4G because they've been prepared to talk about it because meritocracy is great, but meritocracy do have its downside. And uh, I think the 4G has been prepared to talk. Let's see what happens. Ong Yi Kang talks about uh, having a referendum, no, not referendum, having a public discourse on it, mm. or some kind of a referendum. So I think something is going to come in the coming years. Yeah, and uh, Walid, I'll give you the last uh, comment on that, the, the inequality right. or potential income inequality right. question. So, so I think what we will see, and that's also, I think, a solution to inequality would be a movement leftwards in economic policies. I'm quite sure we will see that from the 4G leaders. The question is how how fast and how far it would be. Right? There was the reason why uh, Professor Teo Yoyen's This Is What Inequality Looks Like sold 30 plus thousand copies, right? Because the issue resonated with Singaporeans. A lot of Singaporeans felt that this is an untold aspect of the Singapore story. So uh, inequality will be here to stay for sure, for many reasons, because of Singapore's adherence to meritocracy, but also because of Singapore's position in terms of uh, a global trade capital. We are basically one of those that really relies on the free market. So how do we correct for the excesses of the free market other than a leftwards uh, economic shift? I I really cannot see any other other way forward. And I'm quite sure the 4G uh, sees that as well. The book is called Unmasking Singapore's General Election 2020. Uh, Felix, where can uh, people find this book? I think it's available at all uh, bookstores at this point in time, yes, and or they can pre-order from the publisher as well. So that this is the book, uh, as you can see from the back as well. <laughs> do, we, do we have so, many? Do we have many bookstores left in Singapore? Not too many. I don't <laughs> yes, yes, we do. We do. Bill Vera, there you go. Everyone's holding up a copy. Good for you. All right, <laughs> gentlemen. I wish you great luck in this, uh, Dr. Felix Tan, Professor Bill Vera Singh, and Wali Jumblad bin Abdullah. Uh, thanks so much for being with us today, and. and giving us your insights on this deep look into GE20. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.